Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. So good. So good, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you. Come on, say thank you, Jesus. The name above all names. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to be a good day. Come on, smile. Turn that frown upside down. Let's go. Let's smile. Come on. It's going to be a good day. Amen. Amen. Hey, why don't you high five three people next to you and let them know, come on, the victory is his. Come on. The victory is his. The battle is his. Come on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it is. It, it makes it a lot easier when you realize that you don't have to fight the battle yourself. I said it's a lot easier to realize that you don't have to fight the battle yourself. You don't, you don't have to fight it alone. There's people in this room that will fight the battle with you. But can I tell you that God is with you? It's his. I tell God all the time, God, I'm, I'm your kid. I'm your boy. Like, like I'm your son. Like, like, I'm your favorite. Sorry, y'all. Uh, and so, like, like, I tell him those things. Like, like you're my, I, I love you so much, but, but you know who I am. Now, let's go. I'm nothing special. I just try to remind God that, you know, hey, I'm your boy. Like, let's go. Just like your kids, right? Like, they, wanna, they want you to know, like, hey, Dad, like, I need you to get something. I need you to take care of this, you know? Or, or maybe, maybe you're, like, a one of those moms that you're at Chick-fil-A and your kid, like a kid hits your kid and you're like, ah, let's go. Like, you know, and so like, dude, I just, I'm telling you, I'll remind God all the time that, hey, this is yours. Going through this, this is yours and I need you to show up. I need you to take care of it. So I don't know what you got going on, but I believe today that God, God is the God that's going to take care of it. Everybody say he's going to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. Man, so good to see you this morning. I'm Pastor Welby, and I get the awesome privilege to lead pastor with my wife, uh, this amazing church. Uh, I love what God uh, has been doing, and uh, we are in a, uh, a brand new series today. But before I get to the brand new series, I, if you were here last week, dude, was last week not just amazing? We had five and five last week. Uh, it was amazing uh, just to see God use five gifted leaders and communicators uh, just to sh begin to share their story and what God has done. And uh, so we had five communicators each speak for five minutes, and it was just five minutes of fire after fire after fire. And uh, man, I just, it was amazing uh, to get to be a part of last week. And so um, we'll continue to do that, I believe. How many like that last week? It's pretty good. We'll continue to do, do that. Let's go. Come on, my sound man. Let's get it. And so, hey, we are in a new series. And this series is called Like a Boss. Can you say that with me? Like a boss. And you can't say boss. All right, you gotta be like boss. All right. 
All right, so we got to throw like a W in there, all right? Uh, like a bouse, all right? So we're in this series called Like a Bouse. And this whole, this whole premise of this series is this, with this thesis or with this idea that you would start bossing your money around instead of your money bossing you around. How many think that sounds like a good idea? Start bossing your money around instead of your money bossing you around. Now, now there's a common phrase that is out there that you probably have heard and maybe you've even said it, but it's this phrase right here. Help me finish the phrase. All the church wants is my money. Come on now. Come on, I remember there was this time, uh, it was last year, I believe, uh, my wife and I, we were at Sam's and we were uh, actually getting, uh, buying salad because we were getting ready to, to feed the teachers here at Spillane. And it was, we're, when we feed the teachers here, there's about 140 faculty and staff uh, that, that partake of that. And so, uh, how many know it's a lot of salad, a lot of salad dressing, a lot of croutons and cheese and chicken, and because we do it upright, we were like salad all up in here and so it was so good and so but anyways so we're, we get to the checkout counter and we've got multiple baskets of stuff right and so uh, I think we spent almost $600 that day just on food just to make sure all the teachers had everything and and so the lady behind the, the that was our cashier she was like what in God's green earth are y'all doing there's only two of you. Why do you have so much food? And, and so we got to begin to share with her, hey, we're, we're, we're at church, and we're, we actually do church in a school. And she was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I said, yeah, so we just, one of our things that we love to do is serve our school and, and serve other people and all that. So I said, one of the things that we really, we really try to do is try to dispel the, the notion or the fact of all the church wants is my, and she said, Money. She said, money. And I said, by the way, I'm Pastor Welby. And she goes, <laughs> she was like, she was thrown off. She was like, dude, like pastor, like throwing it down. And I was like, yeah. I said, don't you think that? So don't you think that all the church wants is your money? And she, she didn't want to tell me yet, but she kind of gave me like a Shoulder shrug, like, yeah, but I don't want to say it because I don't want God to strike me down because you're here, you're pastor and all this stuff. And, and so uh, I said, yeah, I said, I said, we want to dispel the notion that all the church wants is your money. Your money. So we invited her to church. She didn't come, but God bless her. <laughs> you see, Jesus spoke more about money than he did anything else in the Bible, in the New Testament. Can you imagine that? All the parables, the stories that Jesus talked about, Jesus talked more about money than anything else. So why would we as a church avoid the number one thing that Jesus talked about? Like, I get it. Churches really screwed it up for a lot of other churches. Some bad churches have messed it up for some good churches. Come on, I got one honest in the second row. Let's go. <laughs> um, so so I, I get that. But if Jesus talked so much about it, why would we avoid it? Because maybe, maybe you're thinking today, well, I thought he talked more about heaven and hell. No, he didn't. I, I thought Jesus talked more about faith or love. And no, 
He didn't. He talked more about money than any other topic. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And then we're going to get going. We're going to dive into this. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. You are a good God. Pray that you would speak through me and you would touch our hearts in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. So let's talk about this as a church today. I want us to talk practically, but I also want us to talk biblically, all right? Have you ever asked these questions, all right? What would I own or have if I didn't know what everyone else owned or had? Say it again. What would I own or have if I didn't know what everyone else owned or had? Ooh, I like that. I'm going to give me that right there. That's good. Or, or definitely not an Android phone. Um, but God bless you. Um, we'll, we got, we'll have prayer at the end of service for, for salvation. What would, what would I want if I didn't already know what everyone else had? Or how much money would I have saved if I didn't know what you spent on yours? <laughs> Trying to one-up somebody, right? We call this what? Keeping up with the, the Joneses, right? That's what we call keeping up with the Joneses. I remember early on in our marriage, and there was, there was uh, some friends, man, they were buying stuff left and right, and we're like, man, how do they have this stuff? I mean, this is crazy, like nice stuff. And I know they don't make that much money, but they got nice stuff. Like, we, we're young, right? We're early 20s, and we're like, we're broke. They got no money. And then they rolling in with all these things and these nice accessories and just all types of stuff. And we're like, man, what's going on? And we had to decide, are we going to keep up with the Joneses? Are we going to just keep up with the Pierces? Let's go. We know too much about other people what they have and what they don't have. I think social media has created this a little bit for us as well, but, but we know too much about what you have and what you don't have. And this makes us a prime candidate to struggle with discontentment. It's dangerous. We'll go into credit card debt. We'll make stupid purchases. Only to only want to return it three months later. Have you ever been there? Like you made this large purchase and you're like, what did I do? Three months later, you're like, man, is there a return policy? Am I within the 90 days? Get this, get this statement right here. We buy things we don't even like to impress people we don't like. We buy things just to keep up with the appearance. We, we don't even like these people, but we'll buy the things that we don't even like. Like we don't like it, but but it'll make us look good. It'll make us feel good. Why? Because it'll impress them. Now, we buy things we don't even like to impress people we don't like. I remember this one time. Um, we needed a new car. And I was like, I want a Maxima. And it was... It was like 2006, I think was the it was the year that was I think it was the year 2006, 2005, 2006, something like that. And I was like, dude, I need, I need a new car. Like, how many think a new car would be nice? Yeah, a new car sounds great. If you need a new car, it sounds kind of nice. And so I was like, let's go get a new car. Well, I was kind of I had I was um, I had a an affinity for that's funny I said that for Maxima affinity Nissan. Sorry. Anyways, um, affinity for. A maximum. And I was like, so we went to the dealership and it was like, 
black on black, and it was beautiful. Oh, it was gorgeous. And it was fast. It was one of the things I loved about Maximus. They were so fast. And so I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's get it. I'm a youth pastor. Let's hit it. Let's go. And, uh, and so I, we bought this Maximum, man. We bought it, and, um, and it seemed like a really good idea at first and until that, like, first payment came, right? And you're like, mm, doesn't feel as good as I thought it would feel. And so we had this payment for, like, a, a year, and finally, Kristen and I were like, look, we, let's, 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 let's go ahead and trade it in so we could maybe breathe a little bit better. And, you know, although we rolling and it looks nice and everybody loves it, we, we keeping up status, right? You ever rolled up in something or you, you bought something and you kind of were a little prideful about it because you're like, yeah, it's mine, right? That was kind of me. I was like, it's mine. It's, it's my Maxima. I know you want to ride in it and you want to roll in it, but you, but you can't because it's mine. And we're like, let's, let's, let's trade it in. And we traded it in for my Chevy Equinox. I had to take a step back. Anybody ever had to take a step back? I still have my Chevy Equinox. Yes, I do. But it's paid for. Hey, come on, somebody. I mean, it's been paid for a long time ago. Is 13 years old. Bless it. Bless it, Jesus. But we get caught up in this cycle of discontentment, trying to keep up with the Joneses. And although we might think we shouldn't have bought something, it makes us feel good in the moment. It, it creates this appetite inside of us. And this nature of this appetite is never satisfied. It's never satisfied. You buy a TV... A couple years later, you want a bigger TV, right? You want a better picture. You want better processing. You buy a house and life is great. You start making more money. The family grows and what once satisfied you now is no longer good enough. You pay one car off only to get into another car and another car payments. It's a never-ending cycle. You know, if we, if we sat down with a counselor, <laughs> if we sat down with a counselor, the counselor would really sit down with us and they would say, let's talk about the problem here. Let, let's, let, let's get to the, to the root of things, not the symptom, right? When you go to a counselor, they don't talk about the symptoms. You may talk about them, but what they're really trying to do is narrow it down to the root. What's really the problem here? And there's an issue that you and I, that we struggle with. And Jesus knows all about this issue. He knows all about this problem. Jesus talks about this problem so much, not because he had the problem, but he wanted us to see the problem. He wanted us to see it and see what was happening. And he would even ask us to put up guardrails around this issue. You know what a guardrail is, right? Right? One of those things they put on the side of the road, right? So you don't go over. Those things help, right? Do you, do you realize that a guardrail is something that is put up to keep you from going off the cliff? 
Maybe the proverbial cliff, but, but nonetheless, to keep you from going off of the cliff, they're never in the danger zones. Like once you fall off, you fall off. The guardrail doesn't do you any good in the danger zone. No, the, the guardrails are put up in the safety zones. Why? To keep you from danger, right? And so we wanna talk about this issue to keep us in the safety zone. And so to live like a boss, it starts with answering a question, this first question, who's the boss? Who is the boss? Come on, say that with me. Who is the boss? Now I'm not talking about the TV show back in the day, but I'm talking about who's the boss? You see, as we pastor and as, as we've been pastoring and as we've gone through youth ministry for many, many years, there are really two things that we either heard talked about or that we talked about with other people more than any other thing, and it was sex and it's money. If there, if there are two issues that, that are, are ravaging our nation, that ravage us, that, that are uh, a struggle for us, it revolves around either sex or money. So I'm gonna ask you over the next 20 minutes or so, to not give me the Heisman and give me the and stiff army here, okay? I know we're in church and I know we're talking about money. In fact, if it is your first, if it is your first Sunday, it's ironic because this is the first time uh, in our church's existence that we've ever had a message on money. So welcome. <laughs> but I want you to know the church is not after your money today. The church is not after your money. The church doesn't even need your money. Now, I get it, the church needs money to operate and do ministry and make an impact and make a difference, and I get all that, but the, the church at its core doesn't need your money because Jesus doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money. The Bible says that God owns it all already anyways. God will make it happen. If he made it happen for the, the children of Israel as their, as their way of escape, he, he will make it happen however God makes it happen but he wants something for you as it relates to money. He wants something for you as it relates to money. And any good church trying to organize around the teachings of Jesus wants something for you also as it relates to money. So when Jesus talks about money, it's a lot deeper than just that. You can have a lot of money and you can still be in the hole financially. You can still be in the hole, but still have money. You can have your house paid off. You can have cars paid off. You can have 401ks for days. You can have a diversified investment portfolio. I mean, retirement is looking good. You can have no debt. And Jesus says that you can still be in the ditch. And so we have to ask the question, who is the boss? Come on, say that with me. Who is the boss? And so in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is giving the, the most popular message, the most popular sermon that's ever been recorded and preached in history. And he says in verse 24, he says, this is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so in the middle of that, he says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God 
and be enslaved to money. You cannot love or serve God and be enslaved to money. That word masters there can be translated as three words, possessions, ownership, or boss. Nobody can have two bosses. Nobody can be possessed, possessed by more than one thing. You see, if you are like me, you would kind of read that and you would expect Jesus to say that, that you would have to pick between God or Satan. God or the devil. But he doesn't. It would be nice. It would make more sense. It would be easier. But he says the things that's going to fight for your soul more than anything else is that you are going to have to choose between God and money. God and stuff. And what Jesus wants for you, what we want for you, starts with asking the question, who's going to be the boss. Jesus is saying the biggest competitor of your heart is going to be money. It's not gonna be the devil. It's not gonna be other people. It's not gonna be somebody at work in the office. It's not gonna be your addictions. It's not gonna be partying, partying. However you say partying. He says, it's gonna be money. And you're gonna have to answer the question, who's gonna be the boss? Jesus, it was all about mastery. It was all about who's going to be your master. For Jesus, it was not about what you had, but it was what has you. For Jesus, it wasn't about what you had. It was what has you. Do we have money or does money have us? Do we have money or does money have us? Do we use money or does it have us? Do we possess it or does it possess us? And what Jesus is teaching here and what Jesus teaches is that, is that what money has and has to offer is the chief competitor to your hearts. Jesus wants your hearts and money wants your hearts. But you can't have two bosses. And when my money bosses me around, I tend to live two ways, one or two ways. One is this, consuming. Everybody say consuming. Consuming. When money bosses me around, when money is the boss, I tend to live a consumer type of lifestyle, this consuming type of attitude. Buy, 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 buy. Consume, consume, consume. Upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. And we have this unchecked passion when money is the boss. That's one way that we tend to find, our, find ourselves living. But we also can find ourselves hoarding. We can see ourselves keeping it in. We don't have, or, or what if we run out or we don't have enough and we live with this unchecked fear. And the issue is going to have to have a guardrail. And this guardrail we need is there to protect us against greed. 
the guardrail that you and I need to put up to protect us is to protect us against greed. In fact, I heard of this definition. It says that greed is the assumption. It's all for my consumption. Greed is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. It's all for me. And I, I get it. We, we think that greed is somebody that we'll never know. Or we think that it's, it never could impact us. We think that, man, we will never have to deal with this. But it's an assumption that if it's in my hands, it's for me. If it ends up in my checking accounts, it's for me. If it's in my savings account, it's for me. If it appears in my 401k, it's for me. If it appears as a bonus or an inheritance, it is for me. And we have this assumption that all of it, it's all for my consumption. But if I choose on occasion to part with some of my money, I'll do it really slow so God can see it. <laughs> hey, God. I'm going to put money in the bucket today. Just want to hang on to it a little bit longer to make sure that you're up there and you don't miss it. After all, you are God and you got a lot of things going on. But I just want to make sure you see it. Or we remind God. Consuming or hoarding. It's either for me now or it's for me later. And here's the problem with that thinking. When we think like that, we live as if this life is all that there is and that there is no God. We live like there is no God. And the problem is if we live like that, eventually we run into some financial difficulty. If we live like that, we run into some financial difficulty. Because after all, what do we do when we find ourselves in financial trouble? What do we do? We pray, right? We're in financial trouble. God, I need a hundo. Like, come on. Like, Jesus, ah! I need to make this payment, right? Like, if you've ever been in financial trouble, the first thing we do is we cry out to Jesus, Jesus, help! And we begin to pray. And we're like, oh, man, where's my Bible? What does my Bible say? You know, we go through our Bible and we find some good scriptures about giving and about how, how blessed we are and how blessed we can be. And, and, and we, we're like, man, where's, where, where, where's a cross? I got a cross necklace. So we start wearing our, our necklace for a few days because it's going gonna, it's gonna to help us and it's going to remind us that God's got us. And we spend, our, we spend those next few hours or days praying and we invite God into our finances then. But what we're really saying to God is that, God, I chose the wrong master. God, I chose the wrong boss. You see, if we'll pray to invite God into our finances when there's a problem, why don't you invite him in before there is one? 
Come on, thank you for one or two. It's okay. I wasn't expecting a lot of claps today or even in this series because we're in church talking about money. It's cool. But if you could help me out at any moment, it'd be well appreciated. If you will pray and invite God when your finances, when there's a problem, let's do it before there's a problem. Let's do it before that we where we got to just cry out and put a 911 into God. Let's invite him in. Invite him in to be the master now. Invite God to be the boss today. But I just want you to be aware. All right, everybody say, turn to your neighbor and say, be aware. Because I don't want anything underhanded and I don't want anything to catch you by surprise today. But when you ask God to be the boss, He'll ask you to reprioritize your finances. If you're serious about God being the boss, God needs you to be the boss, the boss. He's gonna ask you to reprioritize your finances. You see, I'm gonna show you two different ways. When, when you live mastered by money, when you live mastered by money, we live three ways. The first is live. We, we, we spend it on me, right? Uh, I think Terrell Owens back in the day said, I love me some me. Like, like, like we, we live, right? When, when money is our master, when money is the boss, we, it's all about us. It's all about what we can do for me, me, me. And then secondly, we save. We put it in our we put it in our savings account, or maybe we, we jump onto some matching funds at work, and and it, it, we just it's still about us. And then lastly, we choose to give maybe anything that's left, or maybe we are feeling compassionate in a moment, or feeling some emotional pl uh, uh, pull or tug, uh, or maybe there's a natural disaster, or there's a flood that happens in Houston, and we feel like man, we would love to give towards this relief and so when we are mastered by money we live we save we give and if you live this way what you're saying is me first me second and everybody else third maybe if you're lucky but when Jesus is the boss He'll ask you to embrace his values and flip, flip some things around. This is where I don't want to surprise you. I want to, be, I want to be super upfront with you. But when Jesus is the boss, when you, are, when you are mastering money, when money is not the boss, but God is or Jesus is, he's going to ask you to flip one in three. He's going to ask you to first to give. He's going to say, first, I want you to give. Second, save. And third, live. Give, save, live. And whether you're a believer or not, if you'll practice this, I promise you, you'll send me a text message. You'll shoot me an email and say, dude, Dub, thanks so much. That's amazing advice that you gave us. Give, save, and live. Give 10%, save 10%, and live off the rest. 
Give 10, save 10, and live off the 80. I heard somebody say that, that it doesn't even take a miracle to even live off the 90% that we, that we get here in America. So we give 10, we save 10, and we live off the rest. And I know what some of you are thinking right here. I knew it was coming. This is where the church cons us. This is where, this is where that dirty pastor is, is, is here to talk about the tithe. Talk about giving. Can I tell you that if, if this was something that I wanted to con you about, I wouldn't want to teach my kids about it. Can I tell you that we teach our kids this principle? You make a dollar, you give 10 cents to the church. Make $10, give a dollar, right? We, the, the principle of tithe, that principle of the 10th, 10%. I don't know about you, I don't need my kids $1.72. This church does not need my daughter's two bucks. If it was a con, we wouldn't be teaching our own kids this principle. And if it was a con, <laughs> we surely wouldn't be doing it ourselves. But I'm not asking you to do anything that we as a family don't do. No, we just don't want money to be the boss. We don't want it to be your boss. We don't want it to be our boss. And we don't want it to be our kid's boss. You see, financial independence is freedom from the thought that life is about stuff. Financial independence is freedom from the thought that life is about stuff. Now, please don't mishear me today. I'm not talking about you don't need stuff or stuff is bad or having money is bad. That's not what we're saying here or believe whatsoever. So Jesus would go on and, and he would be, continue to speak in this sermon and he would, he would say in verse 31, he said, so don't worry saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or, or what shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given or will be added unto you as well. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying don't seek the stuff, seek the kingdom. Don't seek the stuff, seek the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. He already knows that you need them. He already knows the stuff that you need. He knows the stuff that you want, but you and I need a guardrail set up against what we want. And the quickest way to set up a guardrail against greed is by giving. And so the guardrail for greed is giving. The guardrail for greed is giving. So that money is not your master. 
that it's not your boss. It's you telling your money, I don't care what my neighbor has. I've got Jesus. I don't care if they have something I desire or something that I wish I could have. I don't care if they have a nicer car. I don't care if they have a bigger house. I don't care if they wear nicer clothes. I don't care because I've got Jesus and I'm going to build the kingdom first. And as I do, God will build mine as well. Yeah, come on. It's okay. It's okay to clap when it's good. I'm gonna seek God's kingdom first. And as I focus on building his kingdom, God will build mine as well. The guardrail is there so that money is not your master. So that money is not your God. So that money is not like a boss in your life. Jesus, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Not second, not third, but first. The kingdom of God's always about others first. The kingdom of God is always about others first. And then watch him add all these things unto unto you. So really the question today is who's the boss for you? Who's the boss for you? Is it money and all it has to offer? The stuff that, that comes with it? I get it. You need money to make your world go round, but but is it the boss or is God the boss? Which one controls the heartstrings more, money or God? Because you can't serve them both. I believe that Jesus wants you to seek his kingdom first to embrace giving as a lifestyle. And giving is the greatest guardrail against greed. Give, save, live. I want you to know today that We're not here in this series today because, because our church is hurting. In fact, we've been, we've been super blessed as a church. In fact, we planned on being here today, last October. Last October, we said, I think, I think this will be the time where we need to have a series about money. And so I want you to know that there's no pressure for me. Nobody's calling you. No one's writing you. No one's going to shoot you a text. No one's going to do anything crazy or weird. All right. 
But just like Jesus wants something for you, us as a church also wants something for you as it entails money. This may not be a quick fix for some of you. Some of you maybe have dug holes or maybe some of you have, have stuff going on and you're like, man, I, I want God, I want Jesus to be, he, he's gonna be my boss, but, but I don't even know how to start giving. I don't even know how, there's no way I could give 10% today. Like there, there's no way, I don't even know how to incorporate that into my budget. Like it's just, there's, it's so thin. I want you to know it's okay. But it starts by identifying a new boss. See, I just believe that when we say yes to Jesus, that it's the Holy Spirit's role to begin to speak to us. You may have been in churches before where the pastor guilts you or tries to condemn you or tries to lay the hammer down. Anybody that's, that's been here for any amount of time would tell you that maybe we actually don't talk about money enough. <laughs> but that there really is, it's between you and the Lord. See, I, I just believe that just what his word says is that he said, I'll, I'm gonna build my church on this rock and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I, I, me and my wife may be the pastors, but I wanna tell you that this is God's church, not mine. We didn't, we didn't start this church because we thought it was a good idea. I mean, we did think it was a good idea, but that wasn't, that wasn't the motivating factor. motivating factor was that we believe God spoke to us and God said I need a church in Cyprus, Texas that's going to have a certain DNA that's going to have a, a, a certain set of values that's going to reach people that other churches can't reach and so I want to challenge you as we walk through this series asking the question who's the boss and maybe you can't give 10% maybe it's impossible can I just tell you just, just start by saying yes to Jesus let's just start by saying yes to Jesus in fact let's pray Lord we we, we ask you today that you would help us God, your word says that we will either serve you or we'll serve money. That, that it, it, these two things are the things that, that fight against our souls more than anything else. That, that we will either love God and, and not love money or we will love money and not God. But we can't have two bosses. We can't have two masters. And God, I pray today that, that no matter where we're at in this room, God, I pray that we just would be able to start off by saying yes to Jesus. And if you're here today, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe he's never been your Lord or your Savior. And, 
And today you wanna say yes, or, or maybe you're far from God. You said yes way back in the day, but you, there's some things that you just are working through, but you say you're far from God and you wanna say yes to Him, rededicating your life. What a great day just to say yes to Jesus. We wanna give you that opportunity right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. You wanna say, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. Would you lift your hand so we can just say a prayer with you today? Would you lift your hand today in this place? Say, yes, I need Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus today, yeah. I'm saying yes to him, my Lord, my Savior. Awesome, why don't you say this prayer with me all across this place? Whether you said the prayer or you didn't, or whether you raised your hand or you didn't, say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life today to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I say yes to you. I believe in you, Jesus. Thank you for meeting me here today. Amen. for joining us in the Hope Rising podcast. Visit us online at hoperising.co. If you're in the Cypress, Texas area, we would love to connect with you on Sundays, 10 a.m. at Spillane Middle School. Thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful week.